Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. It's Ashes Preview Week, edition number four. We're coming up to the Old Trafford Test Match. Gary Stead gets his contract extended. Black Caps win the blast, apparently, Stuart. We'll discuss that a little bit later. We'll also talk about Ravi Ashwin and Yashvi Jaiswal beating the West Indies in the first test in that series. Lots and lots of momentum swings all coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, boys, we are a threesome this week. Um, How well did you do? How well did you do? Give us a quick rating out of 10. How well did you do pressing the buttons? Uh, Look, I'm not sure. Look, let's be the judge of that after the, yeah, after the podcast. Um, I'm just going to fade this one down, which I was told to do as well. So um, get everything right. Our resident technology uh, operator, uh, Bordy, not with us this evening. So we won't get um, the Australian perspective with his fair voice, um, but we will with his fair notes. He's written... Um, what can only be described as sort of war and peace in the Slack <laughs> channel. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm not even going to get that. Can it be a bullet point when there's 17 paragraphs in, in, in each bullet? I He's don't thorough. Know. He's very thorough. Um, but look, I, I think um, let's let's start with the India-West Indies stuff. Uh, so I think, look, plenty in the, plenty in the Slack channel around, uh, around that. Look, I think the West Indies, we, we've talked about their struggles in terms of getting the best, uh, yeah, best team on the park. Um, you know, is there something that needs to be done really for them at a, a grassroots level? Because undoubtedly they've got some talent there, but certainly if we look at this uh, test match, um, and look, I, I, I'm really interested to get your boys' perspectives, but I kind of dipped into this test match because I, I think we've got caught up a little bit, or certainly I've got caught up a little bit, and um, we were lucky enough to be down at the Bay Oval for that England-New um, Zealand test match uh, then obviously watch the test match at the Basin as well, where we've really seen some high-octane test cricket. We then were blessed with the World Test Championship final, which was a pretty good game of cricket, but dipped into that West Indies-India game, which it just reminded me of look old-fashioned test cricket. I think there was, what, 450 runs or so scored over the first two days at a pretty pedestrian scoring rate. Um, even when you know Rohit Sharma and Jaiswal were going well, it, it was fairly attritional um sh- shall we say the wicket probably didn't help mm. um but ultimately West Indies blown away by by an innings um a, a performance where Ravi Ashwin 12 wickets in the match didn't get the man of the match for a 12 as an off spinner Lippy that you must have been disappointed about that but how much of this is about how poor the West Indies were how much was it was it um you know India being superb and what do we think about those selections as well? Obviously, Ishan Kishan coming mm-hmm. in. I think we'd kind of, you know, we almost thought that that was the right call for the World Test Championship final. It's, you know, maybe a test or so too late to give a bit more balance to that side potentially as well. But yeah, thoughts on on what you've seen of that game, boys? Oh, look, I mean, I think you're spot on in terms of as a product. It's not, it wasn't, hasn't been as exciting as the Ashes or even the World Test Championship. But I think that part of that is down to the stuff that you just mentioned in terms of, this West Indies side is struggling. And then, not, then you know, they're playing a side. There's been some incredibly hot takes after this about, I don't know, people have been saying disband the West Indies. They shouldn't be playing test cricket. They should just, you know, play kind of, uh, you know, every now and again, play T20 cricket and all sorts of stuff. I mean, yeah, it's no secret that they're struggling. They obviously just missed out on the, the ODI World Cup. But, I mean, come on, that this India side is a very, very good side. Yes, they didn't win the World Test Championship, but they were in that final. They've been one of the best test sides, if not the best test side, across the last 10 years or so. They've proved they're very good away from home, and, and that pitch was per- like perfectly suited we're for them. India. If yeah. you want to get on someone, why don't you get on the, the ground staff? Because, 
yeah, what what are they doing preparing that wicket that's just perfectly suited for, for the Indians? It's been coming for a while, hasn't it? This West Indies sort of downfall. We're probably, hopefully, at the bottom of it now, but it's been coming for a while. India played good. They're a good test side, and they've played well all around the world. They've won in Australia for goodness sake, like we, we you know, we, yeah, we, we need to sort of put things put things a little bit in perspective. Um, I kind of more want to celebrate the Indian performances. I thought yeah. uh, Jaiswal was really good with the bat. I didn't see much of Ashwin's bowling, mm. uh, but I saw a lot of the batting and, and it just looked top class. He's a special talent, isn't he, Jaiswal? I mean, honestly, like we were talking, um, you know, give ourselves a bit of a shout out. We said during the IPL, it's not going to be long before we see this guy in, you know, in Indian colours and we, we may get to the colours when we talk about uh, oh. India's kit. What, Real Madrid against <laughs> West Indies? Yeah. But, but I mean, honestly, he's he's such a talent and wonderful to see him get that opportunity and, and you know, and just take it with with both hands. I think it was, what, the, the highest score by an Indian on debut, perhaps, you know, you know, piling on. He scored more than the West Indies did in any innings, mm. and you know, probably gave it away at the end because he was, you know, trying to to up the ante so that they could declare. So, yeah, really, really special player. And um, Raj, question for you on the uh, Indian batting lineup. So, I think if we go back to what would be early two thousands, where you'd got Verinder Sehwag, you've got Sachin Tendulkar, you've got Vivesh Laxman, you've got Raul Dravid. Does this lineup? You know, if we're talking about this lineup in five years' time, and um, particularly if you know if the likes of Shubman Gill and, and Jaiswal stay in the side as younger players, back with some of those older stages in terms of Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli, maybe Ajinka Rahani for a little while, does that have the same ring as it to you as that as that as that great batting lineup that the, the Indians had? It's, it's very hard to compare them because obviously those guys have been there, they've done that, they uh, they were they were world class for a long time. Uh, can these guys do it? Sure. They can, they can do it, but they have to do it for a long period of time. Hopefully, they've got this test cycle to just play them, not have to play for their place in the side, not chop and change, which India did a lot under the um, Ravi Shastri and Virat Kohli time period. So, um, yeah, can they do it? Yes, but they're going to have to do the work first. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do with that top three now, isn't it? Because of the way Jice was performed because of the way, you know, the, the high plaudits that, that Gil has around him because Cal Rahul's the vice-captain of the side, right? Mm. So you would think that he comes back in, but, you know, hard to pick him now and hard to, or, you know, maybe he has to come in in the middle order or something. Something's going to have to change. So, yeah, if they want to kind of let these young players loose, which it does feel like it is sort of the time, and like you say, it's the start of the World Test Championship cycle. It's it's a good time to give players an opportunity, but yeah, some questions to, coming for them in terms of what they do with that lineup. And Lippy, question for you, I guess, on the spinning that we saw in this Test match. We've talked a little bit about Ashwin already, twelve wickets in the game. Ravi Jadeja as well uh, went under two and over in that first innings. Although, let's put this into context, I don't think there was a run rate above two and a half in any of the innings. <laughs> we can talk more um, about Ashwin if you like. Don't but worry. no, we will, we will. But we, we then also look at the West Indian spinners as well. Raheem Cornwall, who you know does give the ball a little bit of a, yeah, yeah. a, a rip, uh, and Jamal Warrakan bowling uh, left actually, arm spin. What, what were your thoughts on the spinners? Really? Yeah, I liked Warrakan. I was really impressed with him I haven't seen a huge amount of him in the in uh, across the years but yeah I thought I was quite impressed with the way he bowled in that test I mean yeah still a few loose balls challenging to bowl those players when they're settled but yeah I thought he equipped himself pretty well I mean look you're on like we said you're you're bowling against 
basically in those conditions, you need your top order play or your your seamers to pick up a couple of wickets to kind of get you into that match. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Are you surprised that the silver didn't have a bowl? Pretty much everyone else had a bowl. I know, I know. It did look a little bit like a benefit game scorecard, that one, but I guess you can understand that because it it didn't look like they were going to take a wicket at one point. No, no. I think, yeah, like you say, the the way that they batted, the way they put on that punch that they went past the West Indies without losing a wicket, you know, past 200 or whatever it was without without losing a wicket, basically Jaiswal threw it away at the end. I think he was out LBW actually before that, 130-odd. But still, I mean, yeah, very, very challenging conditions for, for them to, to be bowling in. And the series moves on in just a few days' time um, to Port of Spain's second test match um, and only two test matches in this series. Any, you know, in the modern parlance, any positives that the West Indies can take from this game? Alec Athanasian debut looked, yeah, pretty good, but again, looked like a bit of a, a one-day player playing a test innings. Um, yeah. Potentially. I, I look, and I think we're going to see more and more of that, aren't we? I think we? that's the game these um, days. I we, thought he looked really comfortable at the crease. I do, I do think that's a positive. I mean, you know, someone on debut, like, yeah, I think if you're the West Indies, you've got to be trying to take mm-hmm. as, as many positives out of this as, as you can because, yeah, like we said, they're, they're at a really, really tough situation in their cricket and they need to be start need to start investing in some of these players and uh, and finding a way to, to move forward and, and start growing. Look, I just think that... Oh, sorry. I think that we just need to not get a, get ahead of ourselves. It's the first test series for Darren Sammy as coach. Yep. Yeah. Uh, start of a world test uh, cycle, that we test championship cycle that we've talked about. Let's just see them compete. That's what we need to see from them. And, and they've got a tough road the next few test series. I think... I, I, I can't remember the exact ones, but I'm pretty sure they've got a Pakistan, they've got mm. Australia. You know, they've, they've got some challenging yeah. series up ahead and, and don't play for a little while after this as well. So, yeah, I think to be expecting them to turn it around quickly in the test format is, is yeah, it's, it's not going to happen, basically. They're going to have to, it's going to be slow progress. And I think we've seen that with a lot of test nations other than kind of the big three that we all talk about. They all have their dips and stuff. And, yeah, like you say, hopefully it's the, this is the bottom for the West Indies in terms of their test cricket and they can they pick it up from here. Awesome. Before we move on from this series, the, the thing that not necessarily caught my eye the most, but the, the thing that probably led to me sort of vomiting my own mouth over my cornflakes <laughs> when I saw it was this Indian, well, oh. uh, this Indian test cricket kit, which, look, yeah, I, I, I can't explain it in any other way than it looks like Real Madrid's home shirt. What, got, what is it that puts you... Is the colour, the blues, the reds, or... It's the... It is the... It is the ridiculous use of striping. Striping, So yeah. I, can, I can almost get on board with the stripes on the sleeve, mm-hmm. but the stripes on the trousers, it just... It, it kind of makes me think of, you know, someone that's forgotten their whites um, <laughs> in a, in a two-day game yeah. and, and has turned up and... And played in tracksuit pants. I, I, yeah. Has happened this year. Um, it's, we uh, did see it a it's, lot. Uh, it certainly has. But uh, am I the only one that's incredulous about this? For, for me, it's it, it is the the use of colour. I know the striping is there, but there's just that it's the same as I know we talked about the New South Wales Blues having that massive oh, red w. w in the middle. Of it. Just the red really puts me off. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think that we've seen sort of you know coloured stripes all the way down, yeah. but big blocks of colour. I don't think it belongs in the in the test strip. I don't think. I'll, I'll leave that with you two. Are the the uh, you two are the <laughs> kit, we are kit. Easters, if we are the, the, kit, the kit badges. That's for sure. Before we do move on from this, I will just do want to say on the record, yeah, Ash one hundred percent should have won the man of the match. Quality, quality bowler. I think he completely showed. He he's spoken actually very 
in a very positive way about not being included in that World, World Test Championship final, but yeah. uh, mm. showed exactly why he should have been in that World Test Championship final. Is an unbelievable bowler. You know, we've been talking a bit about Lyon and going around the yeah. wicket, and like Ashwin just showed all his class in that in that uh, Test match. So yeah. Yeah, well, look, we'll, de- we'll definitely maybe ask Baldy about the algorithm as to what's more valuable. Because, yeah, I've, I've got to say, I think a 12-wicket match is more valuable than 150, isn't it? But yeah, So maybe. you're talking about stripes versus lines on the jersey. Yeah, stripes versus spots. We'll, we'll come on to that on the Top Order Pool podcast maybe at some point. Um, Shall we talk some New Zealand stuff in the middle? And we'll, sa- we'll sandwich it off with, with uh, a chat, obviously, about the Ashes test upcoming at Old Trafford. But... I don't know whether this was a bolt out of the blue in terms of the contract negotiations, but Gary Stead, uh, two-year contract extension, um, which we'll see his tenure tick towards six years, won't it? I think even longer. I think it might be seven years. I think, yeah, it was 2018. I'm pretty sure his first Test Series was against Pakistan, the away Test Series, very exciting one that we won, AJS Patel's debut. So, Mm. yeah, I think it will, by the end of 2025 or whenever in 2025 that this will run out it'll be uh yeah it'll be nearing on seven years so it's a very long time for a for an international coach i guess to to last and and that's probably the talking point i mean i think we've been talk we've been saying for a while probably me is the biggest uh, advocate kind of saying i expect that he would move on may you know in in sort of a very uh collegial way in that it, it felt like five years is a long time he might think I've had enough of the grind of the international cricket being away, mm. 250, 300 days a year. And, you know, New Zealand cricket might like the, a new, a fresh voice. But look... Uh, ask me ask me if I'm surprised. Are you surprised, Raj? Well, actually, I'm, I'm glad you've asked. I, I am surprised. I, I thought that um, it was ticking towards that time for a change that you mentioned there. But I know you'll you'll talk about his results, especially in the long-form tourmat, tour, tournaments. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I, I just felt like it was sort of ticking towards, um, you know, time for a change. It's been a you know a fairly long tenure for for a coach. Uh, there have been some questionable results uh, in terms of I really uh, you know in my mind the um, the South Africa series stuff at home especially. Mm. Uh, South Africa was Bangladesh as well, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and yeah, some of those that. They, they kind of made me think that it is time for a change or maybe approach new voice. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, they have gone with this decision we've got to get on the back of of steady here and it's good that he gets like is it a test championship cycle you were saying yes to the end of this test championship cycle so it it includes uh well it was always going to include the odi world cup at the end of the year and then it goes into the t20 world cup i think there's a champions league uh trophy in there as well for the odis and then to the end of the world test championship cycle and yeah i mean yeah, like like you say, it, I, I i sort of tend to agree in terms of the test stuff that we had seen uh, New Zealand was automatic at home for a long, long period there. And, and you know, I, I think there's a number of factors. It's not just Gary Stead's, perfor- you know, performance in that in those yeah. series. It's uh, the, the cycle of players that we had have started to have started to drop off. And I think that'll be, you know, he's he's talked about uh, when, you know, in the press release, it talked about his desire was still as strong as ever to continue. And I, and I think you know, when I was thinking about this in terms of him might be kind of ready for a new challenge, maybe he's looking at it and going, it's actually going to be a fresh challenge to try and bring some of these players through and try and, yeah, not rebuild this test side because I think, again, we've talked about this quite a bit in the past that a lot of these players, yes, they're over 30, but they probably don't look like they're finishing mm. in the next couple of years. So it might be the same core group of players, but we, we are going to have to inject some fresh blood into this side because... 
Otherwise, yeah, the the drop off of some of them is going to matter. Can, can I ask you a question, Binksy? I want to yeah. put you in the uh, New Zealand cricket CEO's chair. Yeah. Uh, you've got Gary Steed's application. He said he wants to go around again. Does he see off all 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 comers, or are the, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, do you think that there may have been a lack of other candidates, um, and Gary Steed was able to have his arm twisted, I mean, he wanted to go again maybe, we don't know, we weren't with the inner workings. Where do you see this decision sitting as a CEO of New Zealand Cricket? Yeah, well, I mean, you just need to look at probably the, the comments of the of the CEO, the obviously outgoing CEO said that they'd considered a number of different options. Whether that, well, and I wouldn't have thought that would have included interviews or them obviously going out and looking at anybody in addition to this. It gives you the impression there were no interviews, doesn't it? It gives you the impression that they kind of thought about it, they might have discussed a process, that they may have had a couple of conversations. And, and look, I think in the, the world of executive headhunting, um, you know, that that can happen. You can sign some people out. But I think... Might have, you, might have made a cheeky call to Stephen Fleming and said, hey, what are, what are you up to? Yeah, look, I, I, but I, I think joking aside, I think if you do that, that you know, it's, it's a small game in terms of the, the, yeah. the personnel. And certainly if anyone, um, that, that Gary Stead knew was was approached that you know had a relationship with him in any sense. There's a risk that that gets back yeah, to him. So yeah, yeah. I don't think they would have had those kind of serious conversations. The only thing I, I, I just am thinking about this, if I kind of put that CEO's hat on as, as, as you've asked, Raj, is whether or not they've gone. Do you know what? Um, extending his contract for a couple of years and, and taking us through then you know the next cycle into that Champions Trophy 2025, another World Test Championship cycle, another White Ball Trophy, etc. Um, we, we, you know, they've talked in the press release and talked in the media about they considered split coaching and, and those kind of mm. factors. This just means that they've, they've they've left all of those options on the table. Mm. If they've gone in and brought, you know, they've said we're going to go to market, we're going to bring someone in. You're almost saying at that point we, we we've got to commit to a four or five year cycle with this individual as a head coach or as a white ball coach or as a red ball coach, and then we're building what that model looks like for four or five years. This has given them, I think, the perfect opportunity to, to actually go, right, we've got a guy that we know knows the environment, the players obviously like and respect, because I think if there was any um, inkling from the likes of Tim Southey, Kane Williamson and the senior players, that he wasn't the right man to take the team forward, I'm sure yeah, I think that, 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 that would have been... That you know, puts all of that to bed, doesn't that it? That would have been part of that, you know, part of that conversation. So for me, it just actually gives New Zealand cricket a lot more options, a new CEO coming in who might want to... Um, you know, make a couple of you know, make a couple of changes, a la Rob Key, and, and start to you know throw out the rule book. Um, but yeah, look, I think it's a, yeah, a, a great um, yeah, look a great a great call, and, and perhaps gives you time to um, see the evolution of the way that the game is going now with split coaches and consultants coming in and being able to kind of see what happens in that franchise market over the course of the next couple of years, and gives New Zealand cricket many more options when people you know might be renewing those. Know those white ball franchise gigs at some point? Yeah, well, and I think we are going to get some. You mentioned the outgoing CEO. We are going to get some fresh voices into this mm. in that way, and that we've got we're going to have a new selector. We're going to have a new bowling coach with Shane Jurgensen moving on, and uh, you know they've they've also mentioned, which I was really encouraged to see that they're going to continue that fourth coach kind of set up for every time they go away on a tour. So in the past, that's been. Uh, bigger, bigger names like Sir Klein and people like Stephen Fleming, Shane Bond coming in and, and helping, but also they've been taking away domestic coaches for some of those tours and, you know, I guess, you know, some coaching development at that level. And then, you know, if they're going to continue that, then it means you've always got a new voice coming to that environment, which is really, really encouraging. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think 
the, the question I have back on that split coaching stuff is um, it's probably too early to tell, but I mean, do we think that where that's happened, so England, for example, do we, do we think that that's, I guess, having some impact? Because one of the reasons they said that they didn't want that in this case is because a, a lot of the playing group was the same. So basically said, well, you know, maybe that's a bit disruptive if you've got a whole bunch, because the Black Caps are, a lot of them play all three formats, or they're at least like in the mix and squads for the for all three formats. So yeah, is it disruptive to have two voices? I, I'm going to say I don't think so. Uh, that's where I'm going to sit on this side of the fence. And the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like it's a massive commitment for someone to go away mm. with a, a team on the road as your full-time job, not not sort of splitting that apart. It's over 200 days on the road sometimes. Um, yeah. It's just, it's manic. I don't think that you can do that as a coach and be effective that, that, that whole time in today's sort of cricketing environment that we have. Split coaching is working. I mean, these guys go to different teams every second week, so I don't think that's going to be a, yeah. an issue. I think a lot of these players know how they play and know how to get the best out of themselves. Um, I think that, yeah, from a strategic, from a tactics, from a selection point of view, we need to have that coaching staff firing on all cylinders at you know all times. Mm. Very good. Let's stay with New Zealand for a second. Seven wickets in the, the blast final for Matt Henry and Ish Sodi. So yep. Lippy, look, I'll open up your microphone again, and you can you can <laughs> chat. Can you just tell us how he's headed the? The, the, the segment? Uh, he said that New Zealand wins the Blast. New Zealand yeah. win. The Black Caps win the Blast. Yeah, well, yeah, we won the IPL, we won the Blast. We, obviously, you know, we, we've seen, we've talked about our, our trophy cabinet with the, the mace that, that remains in there forever, you know. If even I think pretty sure you keep that, even if uh, yeah. now someone else holds the... I think you'd want to keep it. It's yeah. a horrible trophy. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's just because you've never won it. But look, yeah, I think, you know, just fantastic to see Matt Henry performing at that level and, um, you know... Basically, he, I think we've talked about it in the past again, he's become, I think, really stepped up and become one of our premier white bowlers, white ball bowlers. I know that Trent Bolt obviously kind of carries that the most, but I think for a time there it felt like someone like Lockie Ferguson might step up and be that kind of next big wicket taker, but Matt Henry sort of showing all around, the, all around his uh, environment, all the environments that he enters, and he's done particularly well in, in, U, in the UK whenever he's been there, but... Yeah, picking up wickets in that final, just fantastic to see. And Just on Matt Henry, like he, you know, there was some real danger, you know, three years ago that he was going to, you know, fade into the ether. But I think he's really sort of kicked on. What do you think his legacy will be like when he sort of gets to the end? I don't know. It's going to be, yeah, I think he's still got a few few good years left to see. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, like you say, he was someone that we thought maybe would be the unlucky player mm. that was behind all of these bowlers and then... You know, just when it seemed like he might get his chance, Kyle Jameson emerged and suddenly he was still the bowler that was the injury replacement rather than the one that stepped up. But, you know, now that Trent Bolt is probably out of the scene with Test mm. Cricket, although maybe, you know, he maybe the door is open for him to, to come back. But, yeah, I, I mean, I certainly think in the white ball setup. Yeah. He's going to be someone we we rank pretty highly by the end of his time. I just go back to some of these recent series that we've had, and just the gulf between him and some of the the others who have have gone on tour for their first couple of tours. Um, I really hope he hangs around for a, for a few years to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, that was quite an interesting game. That final between Somerset and Essex. Mm-hmm. Essex got off to an absolute fly. Four, four, four from off Henry's three balls before he picked up the first wicket. Smashed to cover caught. And then, yeah, Henry just, he bowled an absolute rip at a pole, someone in the second over, and then picked up Dan Lawrence, I think, LBW, in the yeah. 
in the third over and just, yeah, all over from there. Yeah, I guess just a little bit disappointing the weather intervened so much on finals day. Normally a cracking day at Edgbaston and, yeah, first two games, um, rain reduced. So, um, But, yeah, Somerset taking home the, the spoils, Jack Leach's county, the, the cider men. Um, but yeah, a bit of a bit of help from the Black Caps. Let's talk a little bit more franchise or, or certainly domestic white ball cricket. I know Raj, you're keen to talk about the uh, Major League cricket yeah. and, and the start for the the unicorns and the wizards and the yeah. Well, I don't know. I thought, I thought you were glued to my notes there. I had well, to just turn it away a little to give bit. You an into the podcast, Raj, <laughs> and, and you turning your laptop round. Um, look, I, I think it's it's really really. I like stuff when it changes. I like new stuff. I like the game moving forward. Um, I do want to talk about whether this actually is the game moving forward. Yeah. Um, but There's my, been some big calls that this is going to be second to the IPL as yeah, a franchise tournament. Yeah, and I th- but the f- I just want to lead off with the most threatening moniker in all of sports being the uh, what are they, the San Francisco Unicorns. What do you make of them? Scary stuff, isn't I could, it? I could just see massive memes of, you know how there's that unicorn guy? I could see Marcus Stoinis <laughs> in a really tight unicorn with a unicorn hat on. But anyway, okay, we'll move on yeah, to we'll more. Move on um, from, from your dreams to, <laughs> uh, to something else. Um, just focusing on the, I do want to talk about the viability of the, the league, but uh, New Zealand players um, that we'd like to focus on. Guppy, struggling. How's he been going? Yeah, I don't think you really want to mention him if you're a Guptill fan. He's, he hasn't scored a run yet, has he, in a couple of innings? No, he's been to Disneyland, though, with the kids. <laughs> so that's all on Instagram. They've had a good time at the Magical Kingdom. That's that's a big plus. But Corey I mean, Anderson. Corey Anderson's the probably the one that catches the eye most for, for New Zealand fans. I mean, you know, we... I, I, was doing a bit of research about Corey Anderson after this, kind of, or after watching him smash it to all parts. And, I mean, you see that strength that he has. It's mm. still That's still there. And, I mean... He, you know, he was he was the next big thing, right? He was, and he and he actually performed to that level for for a few years, and injuries hit. But he was actually still contracted in twenty nine. I think the 2018, 2019 was his last contract year, which which surprised me because it feels like he's been off the scene for yeah. for even longer than that. And and since then, he came back and tried to play some ca- some not county stuff, but you know, first class stuff here in yeah. New Zealand. But yeah, I mean. I think it's fantastic to see. He's only 32. Mm. So, I mean, just wonderful to see him smashing it all over the place. And, yeah, it kind of just makes you think what might have been because even these these golden years, I guess, we've had as a Black Caps fan, imagine him just slotting in there at six or slotting in there in the all-rounder spot. I, yeah, don't know whether he would have ever developed his bowling enough to become uh, good enough or as as effective as DeGronholm was as, a, as an all-rounder. But, yeah, I mean... You know, imagine just slotting him in there, and, and you yeah. think of, you, then you start thinking, what about him and Jesse Ryder and all these other what ifs that we had for New Zealand cricket? Been- his his batting talent was a lot, de- or is a lot deeper than we actually did see on the world stage. I think, mm. um, I think yeah, I was thinking about thinking back. I think 2015 is the last I remember him yeah. playing at the the, the World, world Cup. Cup. Um, but yeah, it's a, it'd be nice to see him get a get a few games um, around the world, if not in black colours. Absolutely, and I mean, yeah, there's loads. Of, there's loads of other New Zealanders over there. Santner, Phillips, probably best not to Ferguson. talk. Yeah, Ferguson, Devin probably Conway, I think, is playing as well. Devin Conway, had, yeah, scored the first fifty. Of course, he did because that's just kind of what he does. We won't talk about what he did today, which was, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. A, yeah, he's down the run charts now, Lippy, I'm afraid. But so, and we probably shouldn't talk about. Let's not talk about Finn Allen's uh, run out either. That, that yeah. didn't, didn't go quite so he's, well. He's part of the unicorns as well. I guess this all leads into the the viability chat. So there's a lot of overseas talent. It's good to see Pakistanis playing in, in, in here, but does the lack of Indian players 
really limit the viability of this this tournament. There's a lot of Australians who are over there as well. There's a lot of players from all around the world, South Africans as well. Uh, I read a piece on uh, Karen Pollard uh, yep. talking about, um, interestingly, talking about that moniker that he had, the mercenary, and how he, you know, is happy where he is because that showed that, you know, they were, he was maybe ahead of the game or those players were ahead of the game at the time when they were termed mercenaries. But do, do we think that this Major League tournament can be viable on Abs- the stage? Look, I absolutely think it can. And I, I think, yes, there is a lack of Indian players, but, you know, they've come off the IPL, they've come off uh, World Test Championship uh, final and obviously playing a test series currently as well. The fact that you've got, you know, three or four of the sides that have got links to those IPL franchises, mm. I think we're only going to see. And Corey Anderson's probably a great example, not of obviously an Indian player, but someone that's playing in a, let's say at this stage, a burgeoning, a newer uh, franchise tournament. But if he puts himself in the shop window um, in that kind of tournament against, you know, and, and there's some pretty decent players, you yeah, know, yeah. Kyron Pollard, Andre Russell, you know, the, some of those really, really big franchise players are all in this tournament. And it's potentially getting you picked up to go and then have an IPL stint. And and I think, you know, we, we can talk a lot about whether that's the detriment of other domestic leagues and certainly domestic four-day cricket in New Zealand or, you know, or England. I know Alex Stewart was really pissed off at, uh, not at Jason Roy, but at the fact that, you know, he's a sorry contracted player, that when he gets injured, it tends to impact sorry more than it impacts anybody else. And they're the guys that are throwing him the balls in the winter and, and kind of getting him into, mm. you know, into form. But what what this will mean is that players will pick those guys that are in form all around the world and draft them in. And if you've got that uh, Los Angeles Knight Riders or the Mumbai New York Indians or whatever they're called, um, the Knight Riders, you know, all, all these different sides that have got this talent to pull from, from the Dubai tournament, the US tournament into the IPL, it probably is going to, you know, is going to sort of really mean that this tournament is, you know, is something that, that's watched. And again, I'll get the stat wrong, but I think in terms of eyeballs on cricket, um, America's second only to India um, in terms of, you know, uh, the stats around what, you know, where cricket is viewed. Um, and, you know, massive expatriate communities in, in a lot of the cities there as well. So, look, I think, you know, as long as they continue to put on a decent cricket match, they, the, the venues probably improve and the pitches um, are, are decent enough. I think you'll see players wanting to go and play in this tournament because it is like a cricketing Disneyland, isn't it? Well, and you saw, I mean, I think Glenn Maxwell came out and said, you know, why would you, like, it's going to impact the England summer because why would you go over there and play, you know, for 14 games or whatever in the blast when you can yeah. go over and play two two weeks over in this major league tournament and 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 actually contribute. The, the one thing I will say about the viability and, and kind of watching it as a product, I think at this stage... The fact that there are the six international players and they're all kind of mixed up in different franchises that they were in the IPL. I mean, you look down those scorecards and you look at the games. It's the it's it's basically feels a bit like uh, club cricket in the UK when you go over there. It's like pro versus pro. You know who's which pro from uh, the San Francisco Unicorns will perform against the Texas Super Kings, and which ones will perform best and. I, it made me sort of think. Actually, if if you want to get the viability for the same core of I don't know fifty pros that are going around the T Twenty circuit, I would actually prefer it if they are all contracted to that franchise. Yeah, and they all play in the same franchise, and and it becomes like a a world T Twenty league. Mm-hmm. And yes, the Super Kings are playing whatever, because then actually you start to have a bit of 
investment in, in the teams a bit more and or, or the players or whatever, the fact that they sort of, yeah, that, that they're all mixed up, it felt a bit weird to me mm. when it's the same core group of players. You took the words right out of my, my mouth there. Having more of the overseas players is a real point of difference. Mm. Uh, and everywhere around the world, they have tried to limit that, you know, yeah. two, three, four, whatever that be. Mm. Uh, because there's been a little bit of a, a focus maybe on the domestic, like we want to bring our domestic players through. Yeah. Maybe that's not the focus for this tournament. Maybe this is about creating a festival of cricket for two weeks. And um, you know, it can be a real point of difference for them. And if, if they can get, I don't, you know, I don't know where this is on the horizon, it's probably not, it's probably able to happen if they could get some Indian superstars over there as well it would completely transform it but I can kind of I can't imagine the BCCI maybe not this that. maybe not this season but I think if it's successful I think even you will, if they're all going to be IPL or, franchise or owners even if it's players who are not necessarily centrally contracted yeah um, if they could get let Indian players at least play in it um, I think it would really yeah set them up I, I, look I think it will go that way I think you'll see some of those bench players some of those squad players Probably getting themselves in that IPL shop window by playing in this uh, playing in this tournament. You, something that's not on the run sheet, but since we're talking about IPL and and New Zealandy sort of stuff, there was reports today that Mike Kesson might be uh, being released from RCB. That his contract is not going to be renewed. I don't know. Uh, you know, all rumours at this stage. We'll see where where it develops, but. Yeah, I think that would be very interesting. He's been the face of that franchise for, you know, on the coaching side of things and directorship of cricket and things for for quite a long time, as far as I'm aware. It's the only person I can really remember. So I think that would that would be big news and, and interesting, I guess, for him to see where that goes for him because yeah. he's been part of the... He was part of the, the women's franchise for the RCB and, yeah, he's he's been a big part of that and kind of because of that probably not been in all of the other areas and that the coaches kind of end up in these days. Yeah. I, I barely research what's on the run sheet, Lippy, let alone stuff that's not. <laughs> That'll be interesting because I feel like you wouldn't let Mike Hesson go unless you had a backup. Uh, someone waiting in the wing. So that, mm. could be, that could be big news, breaking news. Well, anyway, we, we've not broken it yet, but <laughs> we, we, we may do it at some other point. Let's move on. Uh, final segment of the pod. We're leading into... The fourth Ashes Test match, w- worth just mentioning um, overnight, the English uh, women's team and, and Australian team are obviously also contesting the Ashes. Um, it's been now uh, Ashes regained by the Australians d- despite some heroics from that Silver Brunt scored a, look, a really good 100, but um, England came up you know, needing six off the last ball and hit a single out to long on. Um, so... Uh, are we going to see that repeat in the men's uh, version? Interesting in terms of a segue, you talked about what's the point in maybe playing that major league or playing in the English uh, county setup when you've got major league cricket going on. Baldy, I know he's keen to to talk about Michael Nisa, who has at, gone and done exactly that, playing some county, well. county cricket for Glamorgan. But Lippy, I might let you kind of run um, elements of this segment on the on the Ashes um, leading into the fourth test, because you'll know that Baldy obviously wants to say that this feels very much like the America's Cup in 2012, and <laughs> um, that now England know how to win, they're just going to steamroller. Uh, Team New Zealand as as Oracle. Um, I really didn't need to read yeah, that we, first we, thing in the morning. No, it was not it was horrible. It, it, honestly, you, yeah, if you're complaining about me writing that Black Caps are winning well, the blast, and that this we didn't we didn't need that memory. Seriously, as well. there was less words in the New Zealand Herald this morning than there was in Bordy's uh, <laughs> Bordy's bullet points. But yeah, where do we want where do we want to go with this with, with this Ashes uh, yeah Ashes, Ashes Test match at Old Trafford? 
Well, I think, I mean, I think selection is the key thing to sort of talk about. I mean, you know, probably by the time we release this, even now, England might have named their squad. They seem to name mate, their team about that's three weeks I, in advance. Mate, that's why I'm refreshing cricket for every two minutes here. Yeah, yeah because, the, I mean, they're, they're the ones. But, I mean, they've, throughout the series, changed their bowling attack quite a, quite a bit. Obviously, I'd, I have no idea what that Old Trafford pitch looks like, but I think that'll play a big part in, in what they decide to do. Again... We talked about it a bit last week. Australia now have some questions as well, don't they, with Marsh and Green and all this clamour about whether Warner's going to be dropped. I mean, I don't know. Pick your side for Australia, Raj. Are we trying to are we trying to fit both those two all rounders in? Are we trying to you know change up that bowling attack? I think I I think it sort of goes without saying almost, and not nothing against Scott Boland, but I think there will be a change there. I don't think he'll be. I would be surprised if he's selected again, but. Are we going to see sweeping changes, or are we going to kind of, yeah, be back to back to normal? I guess for Australia. Personally, I don't. I don't think so. I think Cameron Green will come back in. I, I don't think you can carry both of them. Um, I hypothesised, you know, what before the Ashes, maybe they play both of them and try and play a really attacking brand of cricket that hasn't really materialised. It has been attacking, but not what I thought it would be from an Uber attacking perspective. Warner has to stay. Um, I think. Uh, the main thing is, you know, who are you going to replace him with and what, what do you expect out of those players? Are they going to be much better than Warner? When Warner could score 100 in the session. You know, he could do it. It's possible. He's done it before. Mm. Um, I would I would, I would, would hang on to him. And I think, you know, as much as Michael uh, Michael Baldwin is talking about Michael Nisa, um, I just can't see uh, Josh Hazelwood or, you know, Stark not playing or, yeah, Cummins is obviously going to play. So I, I, I would be surprised to see that happen. Yeah, I think for for the Warner one, your point really about who else to come in. I, you know, Baldy's saying in the that he would he would put Manus up to open. Manus has struggled almost just as much as as Warner. And and you know, when you look back at, I think someone I can't remember where I saw it, whether one of you guys found the stats or whether I saw it on Twitter somewhere. But the the length of time that Manus has actually put up a number of middling scores, it's it's yeah. it's been a, a long time. It's not. You know, I've been giving Baldy some stick about, you know, kind of bringing Manus down a little bit in terms of his performance. But he's right in that he is coming back to the pack. His average is coming back to the pack. And, yeah, I think it would be – I don't see how you could throw him into opening and think that he, that's going to help his chances of kind of getting back into, back into form. I guess the question is how do they – or, you know, maybe this isn't the question, but – Mitchell Marsh obviously scored 100 in the last game and looked um, really good, particularly against Mark Wood, actually. I know, I think he was dropped pretty early on. So, mm. you know, if he'd have been caught on 12, but, you know, if every Australian player would have been caught when they'd offered up one of 20 chances to Johnny Berso, of which he's converted <laughs> only 12, we'd have a slightly different uh, complexion on the series. But I, I guess the question is whether they're ruthless enough to just say, well, thanks, Mitch, you've, you're the depth chart and the guy that you're on the depth chart for is now back. Um, and then you don't have to have that conversation because really that's the only way that Warner doesn't play, isn't it? Is that they, they try and shunt everybody around to accommodate Cameron Green coming back in and, and Mitch Marsh batting somewhere um, in that, yeah, in that order. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess it really just is around what the complexion of the team would be to make that, yeah, to make that happen. The only other option would be for them to leave out Todd Murphy and, and go with, you know, six seamers or five seamers. But if you're, if you're England and this will be easier for you to answer, Binksy, if you're England, like you want to see them make a few changes like this, like you just want, wouldn't you, if you're Australian, want them just to 
You know, status quo, go ahead with it. Yeah, look, I think we've got a long time in between these two test matches. I think we've got about nine days, I think. So, you know, you need to sell some column inches and, um, you know, get some mm. clicks and whatnot. I, I don't think there'll be any um, panics, even the wrong word, but I, I don't think there'll be any of this kind of conjecture within that Australian camp, to be honest. They'll be like, we're 2-1 up. We could be 3-0 up. Yeah, we just need a draw. Um a guy that looks a terrible. guy that's averaged a hundred million in England hasn't really got going yet in Steve Smith. He he's due one. Um, David Warner's due a score, and and Marnus Labuschagne's probably due a score. And that, you know those guys were world class three Test matches ago. They're world class leading into this Test match as well. I I, I don't think it's a question um, around even David Warner. To be perfectly honest, I think he he plays, and um, you know from his perspective, hopefully rides off into the sunset. Um, after the Sydney Cricket uh, Ground testing, whenever that will be, January of, of, of 2020, uh, 2025 or whatever. 2024, 24, yeah. The, the, yeah, I, I actually, and you alluded to it just before, I think the bigger question I think the Australian selectors will be having is whether Murphy, whether if these weather conditions and forecasts that I've seen suggest it's going to be pretty rough. If, uh, you know, I don't know what the pitch is like, but, you know, whether... The way they used Murphy last in the last game, even when you know it actually was spinning to a degree, if they think they're not going to get enough value out of him, do they then? Does that then open the door for a Michael Neeser, or even to be super aggressive or super deep in your batting and play both those all rounders by leaving Murphy out? I, I feel like that would be a bit of a weak decision, or a, a, you know. But can they play like a you know Joe Root can? Play as a spinner. Yeah. Can the others... Travis Head, Lutmanis... Yeah. I don't think that's enough, really, mm. as spinners to... It, it would leave their bowling attack pretty one-dimensional, I think. And, mm. you know, maybe Baldi's sort of pointed to Neeser Niza coming in as your swing bowler and adds a bit there and sort of adds a bit with the bat. So, yes, maybe. But I agree. I think, like I said last week, the strength of Australia's balance of their side has been that they've always picked a spinner mm. and they've always had... Lion in there, yes, Murphy's not quite on that level, but the fact that he would be there and you know give him more opportunity to play a role, I think he'll be valuable because you've seen it even with England. Moeen Ali has come in and taken wickets, even if he hasn't looked especially threatening at times. He's still been able to contribute with wickets throughout the course of the series. So just to finish on a little bit of lightheartedness, um, I've got a question for you, Binksy. So there's 10 days of cricket left. Um, oh, sorry, you might have something else after, Stu, but uh, yeah, the 10 days of cricket left. Uh, is there any outcome that changes your thoughts on the style of English play so far? I referenced previous decisions like the declaration on day one. Um, is there anything, like obviously if you win the series, you know, that'll stop you trudging around the house, but <laughs> like are you, are you going to, if, if England end up winning this series, do you see more merit in the style of play that they've played in these first three tests to get to the end, to see it was all part of a plan? I still don't know. I I've, I don't know what I feel about this at the moment. Mm. I, I still think that um, we, yeah, we, we've we've taken some, some decisions, I think, in uh, the vein of the basketball phenomenon. And, and we don't know how much of that's true because... That you know the the guys have deliberately with the press, I think, gone out there and just bought into the fact that they're letting people have clarity in their roles. And if that's the call, then you know I think they've you know they've accomplished that through the course of this series. But I still think they've made some really really dumb cricketing decisions at times. 
Um, and ultimately, uh, Raj, you weren't on the pod obviously last mm. week. And I think one of the things that, you know, I, I, I noted, and, and look, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I've done a great deal of interpretation. This was pretty clear. The rhetoric had changed massively. Um, after that Lord's Test match for England, they'd stopped talking so much about it being the process. They'd, they'd actually started to say, we want to win the Ashes. Mm. It's about winning the next game. Mm. So I think I, whether that's um, the court of public opinion and you know maybe to an extent, not necessarily a media strategy, but they've started to think about, hey, this doesn't sound good. We've got people paying 160, 170 pounds to turn up and watch us play. Yes, they want to be entertained, but they also want their team to, you know, their team to win. Um, you know, and I've always been, I would rather see my team win playing like South Africa than lose playing like the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm. I, that, that's always been my mentality. It will be until I die. It, it might not be for some other people that are watching it for entertainment, but I think a true, you know, a true cricket fan um, is always going to want to see their team win ahead of entertain. But maybe that's just me. The incredible thing is sort of like a, a neutral observer of the series is that the actual series score could be anything. In- England yeah. could be up 3-0 yeah. the way this has gone. Australia could be up 3-0. Uh, it's yeah, incredible to watch. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I just hope that England... Well, one, I hope that England play Mark Wood again because it was quite clear the impact mm. that he can have in this, in this series. Especially hope- if there's a bit of juice in the wicket. Yeah. He was just getting it through, wasn't he? Yeah, and I and I hope that we kind of get five results out of mm. this because yeah, like I just I just mentioned the weather, I you know we saw I think I saw you kind of looking up yep. just now the the weather forecast and I saw a lot of rain clouds there. You might might want to tell me what it actually said, but yeah, I mean Binksy, we we've kind of talked a bit about Australia, talked a bit about the the tactics, but we talked about how England names their team early. Do you want to get in before we refresh the cricket Crick info browser again? And, and will there be any changes? You know, will anything change for this test? Yeah. Look, I, again, uh, we, we had this conversation the last test and I think by the time we'd, you know, dismantle the microphones, they'd, they'd <laughs> name the, the site and it was completely different. I, I think it's a little bit, you know, a little bit easier. They didn't call anyone else into the squad from a batting perspective. So Dan Lawrence remains the only um, batter in the squad. Interesting that he played the blast mm. finals day on um, on Saturday. So whether that was hey go and you know go and have a thrash around and it, you know it probably puts you in good stead for Old Trafford. And I, I personally think the only question mark they've got is what they'll do with that batting order to play the same uh, the same lineup. Mm. Um, and when I say lineup, I, I mean in terms of the style that they want to go out and play. So does Moen Ali continue to bat at number three, or do they shuffle things around and um, it might be that they say the experiment to move Harry Brook to number three is not one that they're going to repeat. So they need a Joe Root maybe to go up and bat um, at number three or even something a bit more weird like a Chris Wokes going up and batting at number three. <laughs> who, who could put anything past this English think tank? Uh, I think the only change in, in my view that, that, that I would make, and this is the great thing or the frustrating thing or whatever adjective you want to use, none of us know we know what we would have done or what we would do if cricket was you know predictable yeah. um, I, I don't think Stokes and McCullum are going to do the predictable if it were me um, I'd be I'd be keeping almost the same side my one change would be that James Anderson comes into the side 
Um, nothing to do with the fact that it's his home ground and he's got an end named after him there. It's to do with, it's to do with the fact that over the past 12 months, he's averaged, you know, 4.3 with a ball or something ridiculous and taken 100 wickets. I've made those stats up, obviously, but he's had a phenomenal last 18 months. Um, every single seamer in that game, uh, first game of the season, was having to run in and bowl cross seamers and try and bowl bouncers on something that resembled roll snot or plasticine. That isn't you know, that isn't an indication of his ability. He was a world beater, just like David Warner was three weeks ago. He's, yeah. sti- he's still one now. And I think he comes in for Robinson. And then it's how they shuffle the rest of that lineup around uh, to, to get a number three that isn't, uh, isn't Harry Brook would be the, the way that I think they will go. And from a weather perspective, it looks like the first couple of days are going to be okay, but there's rain around today and tomorrow. So Monday and Tuesday, um, you know, you only need three and a half days mm. um, at the moment to play one of these test matches. Yeah. So unless Australia bat first and, and bat for a couple of days and then it pisses down, you, you're going to see a result, I think, in this game if they can if they can get anywhere close to, what, I don't know, 240, 280 overs in. Yeah, let's hope so. Awesome. Well, boys, um, that is the end of the pod, I guess, for us uh, today. So um, it's been a pleasure um, coming to you from Auckland, uh, in New Zealand um, we will of course be back in your podcast feed um, next week um, to preview more cricket coming up and review cricket that has already taken place but for now it is good night and God bless from us here on the top of the podcast we'll see you soon good night good night